Hello and welcome to the Succession Easters. The Succession Easters! <laughs> Back to happy tones again, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a weekly podcast recapping and discussing the award-winning HBO TV show Succession. I'm Mike Munzer, a producer, podcaster and Succession obsessive. And I'm Anna Bogutska, a writer, podcaster and Succession superfan. And in this podcast, we'll be taking you through the highs, the lows and the depressions of the Roy family saga every single week. We'll be recapping every episode of Succession's fourth and final season, which is airing right now on HBO in the US and Sky and Now TV in the UK. And this week, we'll be diving into season four, episode four, Honeymoon States. I would just like to say to the senior group of very respected greybeards that all I have ever personally asked is the chance to serve. I mean, I'm sick with grief. Oh, you're sick with grief? You might want to put down that fish taco. You're getting your melancholy everywhere. Very funny. But were the opportunity to arise, all I would say is that if there's a ring, my hat's in, respectfully. Well, I would just say, um, if we were to recommend you to the board, the question they might ask, can, can, can I frame the question for you? But as a friend, sure. just so, so you'd be, sure. be prepared. The negative case would go, you're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. And now you're just married to the ex-boss's daughter and she doesn't even like you. And you are fair and squarely fucked. Jesus, Carl. So where are our beloved Roy's after the events of last episode, after the death of Logan Roy. Oh man, here we go. Our first episode without Logan Roy, right? With no Brian Cox. So it's been... The post-Logan Roy era. Here we are. We're in the post-Logan Roy era. And, you know, as seems to be the way with every episode this season, it's like we are, we've moved one day forward. That's it. So it's been 24 hours since Logan died. All of his family and his kind of nearest and dearest, quote unquote, are gathering (laughs) at Logan's kind of New York apartment to pay their respects. And I, I feels like if last week episode kind of felt like it was doing something very shocking, very different to the normal succession format. This feels much more like we're in a very familiar quintessential kind of succession episode, right? We've got all of of the big players together. We've got Jerry and Frank and Carl. We've got Marsha back. We've got Sandy and Stewie. Everyone is here to sort of pay their respects to Logan, but also to see what might be in this situation for them, right? And of course, the question comes up, who is now going to succeed Logan, who is going to take over as the interim CEO to see this Gojo deal through. Everything goes slightly askew when Frank finds a random piece of paper, undated, we don't know how old it is, it might be as old as four years ago, that is naming Kendall as the next CEO, as his successor. And Kendall's name is Possibly underlined, possibly, possibly crossed, crossed out. out. Yeah, right, in pencil. So this, of course, starts this wave of speculation and bickering and does this mean Kendall is going to be the new boss? Eventually, and we'll discuss all this as we go, eventually they come to decide that Roman and Kendall together will go forward as CEO. Poor Shiv is once again kind of left out in the cold Poor Shiv suffers a a few more humiliations in this episode, including a pretty nasty fall towards the end, which is even nastier now that we know that Shiv is pregnant, right, as well. So, 
Anna, there's so much to get into. Where do we even begin with this episode? What did you think of this episode generally? I mean, once you beautifully summarized, as always, Mike, and also when you summarize these, I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, that too, that too. <laughs> I've seen this episode three times now, and I'm like, oh fuck, yeah, all of this happens. I have to say, it's it's weird watching succession episodes in a vacuum because as much as I enjoy them, the more I watched the episode with kind of different hats and focusing on different things. I yeah. think, is this a good episode? Yeah. And I honestly, I don't think this one is. It just felt a little bit like filling, mm, mm-hmm. but not the good chunky feeling. It's like the mayonnaise in a tuna mayo sound in a tuna mayo sandwich, you know, where it's like it's not the nice <laughs> bread, it's not the nice tuna. You just got a bit of bread with just like mayo on it. I I totally understand what you mean because we've talked about this already, you know, time and time again. This is this is a criticism of succession that it's going over the same territory again. And this episode certainly is something we've seen a lot, right? It's here we <laughs> yes. go again, which of the three siblings is going to become the new CEO? They get in a room, they argue over it, you know, Jerry, Frank and Carla. Everyone is at their quintessential self it feels like in this episode, yes. right? Kendall is being ridiculous. Uh, you know, Tom and Greg are being at their slimiest, you know, like everyone is is on their quintessential form, it feels like, in this episode. And it does feel like we've seen a lot of it before. However, some things have changed. Mm. It is the post-Logan Roy era, mm-hmm. which means that certain masks have fallen. Yep. We saw some of them fall in the previous episode. Yep. You know, most notably the way that everyone is treating Tom. They're not even waiting for Logan to be buried to just call him out to his very face. (laughs) Then, obviously, some relationships have broken down. Others have completely shifted. We'll talk about Marsha versus Carrie and everything that's happening. But what is interesting about this episode is as much as it is a little bit of the old same like Roy shit show, Mm -hmm. they are different people put in the same situation. So even when the question of Ken taking over as CEO arises, Ken reacts in a predictably Ken way, but everyone around him is different. They are very much like, Ken, sweetie, Mm. darling, do you you really want this? Why are you doing this to yourself, my man? Uh, Yeah, agreed. You know, Shiv is a very different person from the last time we saw her in this type of situations. And, you know, I really want to spend some time talking about her because she is, aside from the fact that she is pregnant, alienated from Tom, she is almost like trembling throughout this whole episode. She is on edge the entire time. And the fact that she allows herself to essentially be cut out of power from by Ken and Roman. I think that this is very much the, it's an episode that has planted a lot of seeds, mm-hmm. but hasn't resolved anything. So the, the Shiv seeds are like, there's multiple threads here yeah. that I'm sure we'll see, you know, unravel over the next couple of episodes. So, I think maybe that's why it's been a little bit unsatisfying for me, because there's a lot of things that are planted and seeded, but not a lot is happening. And the stuff that is happening is a lot of the same stuff that we've seen 
many, many times before. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like they're choosing, particularly this season, it feels like, they're choosing not to focus on the big events, but the sort of moments leading up to the big events each time. So Mm -hmm. there is this constant feeling like something is about to happen, something big. Like this whole episode almost like last week it almost plays out in real time i notice when re-watching it because it's like it's 10 a.m when they arrive and they're like the big board meeting is at 11 a.m and then i think mm-hmm. they say at one point it's been pushed back to midday but we don't see the board yeah. meeting right we, we see the build-up to it like we yeah. constantly see the kind of the preamble before these big events and they're like oh the secret service is here because um menkin is gonna arrive but we never see him arrive it's always like right. it's like these moments before the big moments happen each time Mm-hmm. And I know what you mean. That can be kind of frustrating. I think I I generally did like this episode. And I think for me, it kind of brings it back to what I loved about certain episodes in the second season, particularly, which is I love these kind of chamber piece episodes where we have mm-hmm. all of our faves together in one location, all at their kind of slimiest and best. Um, and, and I think a lot of the characters had great moments to shine in this episode. And I say great as in they were all dumb and ridiculous but you know um <laughs> and and maybe we should go you know i think yeah like you said there's so much to say about shiv i think again roman continues to impress me i, I still am very much team roman here roman yeah it's completely changed he's like gone to he's gotten some pretty good therapy because my god my man is like a f- almost a full human being now. i know i know um but maybe we should start by talking about kendall because i do feel like we've said in the first three episodes it the the focus has been less on Kendall than the others, right? Kendall feels a bit peripheral, whereas it almost felt like this episode, again, it reminded me of uh, older seasons because it really felt like this brought Kendall back into the spotlight again. Yeah. What did you think of his reaction to finding out he might be the new CEO and, and you know, the way he behaves in the rest of the episode? Some vintage Ken, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. isn't it? So it... It's appropriate to start with Kendall because the whole episode is bookmarked with him. Yes. We start off with uh, some vintage sad Ken, probably sadder than we've ever seen him <laughs> sad about. Yeah. And we finish with asshole Ken, probably more of an asshole than we've ever seen him be. Yeah. Uh, as he's blackmailing Hugo over some possibly accidental, but definitely not insider training that's been going on. Mm. And the minute... The millisecond he finds out that his name is on any piece of paper related to his dad and the company mm. instantly tries to go through the old maneuvers. Yeah. You no, know, Stewie, will you back me? Sibs, will you back me? Will um Frank, will you back me? He's never asking, should I do this? Should do you think I should do this? And everybody kind of tries to get him to ask himself that question. Why do you want this? Mm. You are better that you've never been. You actually have a relationship going with your siblings. Yes. You are happier without this bullshit. Yes. And there is, there's something really, you know, devastating, uh, devastating and devastatingly predictable that Ken asks where, you know, he's like, my dad made me hate him and then he died. Mm. This massive unresolved relationship that will haunt him for the rest of his life. And the only thing he thinks of doing is getting back into the CEO chase. And he is so, this is this one of the things I found frustrating because, and perhaps this makes sense for Ken because he is not a character who has any self-awareness. Yeah. 
still continues to think of him. You know, in season three, it was comical because he thought of himself as like, you know, some sort of social justice warrior, which he absolutely isn't. And here he's sort of forgotten about that. But he has no self-awareness, even in order to benefit himself. Because he keeps going after the thing. I'm like, Ken, you can be CEO of Pierce. Yeah. What the fuck do you want this old dinosaur company that's getting sold anyway for? Yeah. I think it's this thing that he just... It makes him go blank. And the thing that is really confusing to me about this whole thing is they're about to sell the company, right? Like Exactly. The, it's an interim it's an post. interim post. But I think there's that obsession, isn't there, with legacy. And whoever this next CEO is, is going to be the one to hopefully see the deal through, sail it through. Mm. And they want to be, whoever that is, wants to make history as being the person that made this amazing deal happen, right? And like, they're, they're yeah. all obsessed with how they, particularly Kendall, he's obsessed with how he looks and his legacy and his public image and all of that. And there is a bit of that tied then there is also that emotional, you know, um, that emotion tied into it too. Like you said, that him thinking, maybe dad did love me. Maybe dad was proud of me, right, as well, you know, which really kind of flips his thinking 180 all of a sudden, you know. But even after death, Mm. you know, Logan isn't clear where he stands. Still an enigma. I love it. You know, Shiv Shiv throws this into the conversation. Is it underlined or is it crossed out? And Kendall is like, Shiv, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. But it's true. It's like it's not even clear. And he's he takes a picture of it, zooms in on his phone. It's the saddest thing when you see him trying to decipher what a doodle said about his dad's vision of him. I love it. I, that, that's, I think that's one of the things that I did really love about this episode. It, it feels like a play, again, in that it, it kind of all surrounds this mysterious MacGuffin in the middle of it, of just this random scrap of paper that could mean nothing, and yet it triggers this chain of events, right? And I sort of love that about yeah. it, how simple it is, but how effective. And what do you think of the way... Do you think that Ken is genuine here in the... He wants to bring his siblings into it. Like, he is a bit different to the season one Kendall where he just wants all the power himself. Like, he's very much like, look, we, we're we doing this together. He promises to Shiv that even though she's not going to be the sort of public-facing CEO with them, that they're going to bring her in on it. Do you believe him? Well, listen, <laughs> when I first moved out, my dad gave me one piece of advice that I have adhered to for my entire adult life paper trail for everything yes because you absolutely categorically do not believe your dipshit siblings when they say yeah we're gonna be like three ceos but not on paper not public facing but you know behind closed doors you'll be across everything and you'll be just as important and have just as much power over decisions as the both of us do lies absolute stone face lies. Now, I don't actually think that Roman is lying. Because Agreed. Because I think the last three, well, the, the four episodes of the season so far has really shown us that he is putting his actual actions where his mouth is. Mm. So he's not just saying these things. He really believes them and he's acting accordingly. Yeah. He even tells them with the caveat, it's not for now, but I've also been having some secret comms with dad before he died. Yeah. So you know, I'm like, oh, Oh, that's great. He's not, it's not like a big secret. He knows it's kind of weird and there will need to be discussed, but mm-hmm. he's just letting them know when he's like, let's park it until later. Maturity. Yeah. Emotional intelligence. In succession, outrageous. <laughs> anyway. Yes. But 
Ken, however, ends the episode by blackmailing Hugo, right? By going behind Rome. It doesn't even take him like, not even 24 hours, Mike. (laughs) Not even 24 hours before before he's betraying Roman, the company, and Shiv. Mm. Because he goes to Hugo behind Roman's back and say, you remember that strategy that we all collectively decided was the one that we were going to take? Yeah, I want you to do a shadow strategy, but just for me. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it on the download because otherwise I will put you in jail for insider training. Mm -hmm. Like the barest the any sort of leverage that he has he uses it immediately and he has this really sick kind of almost logan-esque smile on his face as the last shot of the episode where i'm like ken you really are a trash human you really are a fucking trash back of a person you like why have we been rooting for you for four seasons where you have no you are genuinely bad (laughs) Then, though, this is what makes me think, is he the best person to succeed his his evil father, right? Because part of me <laughs> thought, is that exactly what Logan would have, would have done too, you know? Like, secure mm. himself as the person publicly who is going to save this company, who screw everyone else, screw his own family, screw his dad, he's dead now, like, this is about him, you know? And in some ways, I'm like, that's, that is the kind of ruthless attitude that Logan always wanted him to have in a weird way, you know? Yeah. So it's so interesting to see that corruption kind of manifest in this episode. And, and do we actually think you know we'll never know clearly but did logan where, how old do you think that piece of paper was anna and do you think that logan really did want ken to well, take over we'll never know probably yeah because it's not dated it does seem like perhaps it's something that he drafted so we we get a, a few good shots of it so it's you know it's printed out and then there's annotations in pencil so it probably was yes this is what i want and then he kept coming into it and changing it because remember they also mentioned that greg is on that list <laughs> yes what the hell? as an addendum in pencil with a question mark so it has to be you know around less than four years old because greg is only introduced into the family fold mm-hmm. in season one mm-hmm. um but we'll never know. And truthfully, does it matter? Because wh- whoever has that piece of paper, uh, whoever's mentioning it, you know, as, and by whoever, I really mean Kendall, mm. they will twist it to suit their interests because it is just vague enough that it can suit a lot of different sets of interests. Mm-hmm. And and is he really interested in his plan? You know, so he says is that the Sibs take over as CEOs, they see the deal through, and then they're done with it and they go back to their original plan of, you know, acquiring Pierce and this and this and this. Is that what Kendall's really thinking now, though, at this point, you know? I mean... Part of, part of me mean, thinks, is he now going to go... I reckon the next episode might be them flying to Sweden, right? To see to this, yeah. whatever it is, they're at some sort of retreat place, right? Um, Matson. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to deliberately try and sabotage the deal and not see it through so that he can just continue as CEO of Waystar, you know? Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either. And you know what? It makes me think that perhaps... And remember that scene in the previous episode where he gets a call from Matson and then immediately tries to, you know, go around the Gojo deal and ask for more money, even though knowing directly that, you know, it's it's thin yeah. ice with Matson about that. What if then this is the actual long term plan? He's gonna sabotage the Gojo deal so he can remain CEO 
permanently. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised. He's an idiot. Ugh. Absolute idiot. Just, you know, if you keep making the same mistakes, it's the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing and expecting different mm-hmm. results. Yeah, and it is a frustrating watch in that regard because you're like, Kendall, and it, fr- like you said, Frank even says it. He's like, you're doing well. You're looking good. You've been better. Like, do you really yeah. want this? You know, and it's like, no. Yeah. But he's too far gone. Exactly. He's too far gone. He's a he's a very unwell well, man, I think, Kendall. At least he has Roman in post oh, with I him. Oh, I love Roman. Uh, let's talk about Roman, shall we? Like another winning Roman episode, I think, through all of this. Do you know what, Roman? <sighs> like, he... I want to know, you know, Kendall says in the episode that he has a great grief guy. I want to know who Roman's guy is, because Roman's therapist is absolutely deserves a bonus because they've done a number on Roman and turned him into an actual human being. But what do we think of how he's reacted to Logan's death? Now, obviously, we see Kendall and Shiv be overtly emotional about their father's death in this episode. Even we haven't seen Roman cry yet. Fair enough. But also like he's like, I'm okay. I've sort of pre-grieved, right? He's like, I was expecting this to happen. <laughs> his siblings don't really believe him. Is he really dealing with his father's death, you know, in that way? Or is no, he I on think, the brink? I think he's still in denial. Like, there's that interesting moment when they go into Logan's old office and they look at his chair and it's quite a lovely moment. Mm. And you suddenly see him like neck a couple of pills, right? He's medicating. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if there is something going on with Roman that we don't know about. Is he actually... You know, is he secretly kind of medicating himself constantly? Like, is there more going on? Is he not as together as he appears? I don't know. Oh, I think absolutely he's not. That's like, that's not even a a, a question because mm. he's so... I think it's, it's interesting how all the sibs deal with any life events, right? Like anything that doesn't go their way, how do they react to these? Because those are the moments where we see who they really are, right? Yeah. And Roman has always shut down. Yeah. You know, even if you think of, you know, as comical as it was, the dick pic incident, yes. when he got caught in Fraganti by his dad, he what he did was just like go back into himself, into his shell, and he just shut down. Mm-hmm. He just like became unresponsive and super submissive. So I think Rom- even though, you know, he's clearly like become a better human... Roman's reaction is still intense denial, which is how he reacted uh, in the last episode on the day of Logan's death. Mm. So even though he knows this is true, like we've passed that, he is still not really processing. He's just moving on. Yeah. And it will come crashing down on him at some point, um, I'm certain. And possibly, you know, he's better equipped now to deal with it. Yeah. But He's definitely not well. <laughs> He's probably better off than the other sips, but in a way, I think because his he his issues are more internalized and less explosive than say Shiv's or uh, or Ken's. Yeah, agreed. And he is he is trying to be. He's trying to be human in this episode, I feel yeah. like. You know, there are moments when he's genuinely, like, he's asking how people are. There's the moment with Carrie. The, mo- right, the moment with Carrie I really want to ask you about, because that's yeah. really interesting, because Carrie has a full sort of, we see her sort of break down in this episode, right? And She's Marcia weeping. And, oh, my God. She's genuinely distraught. And we kind of get, like, you know, we've we've always had the rumours and the sniggers that her and Logan were fucking. Mm. But we kind of get an overt confirmation of that because she has stuff of hers upstairs. Yes, yes. And Marsha, who we should talk a little bit later on about, (laughs) Marsha is 
unbelievably cruel mm-hmm. to almost everyone, but especially Carrie. Oof, I know. She is like, do not let her go up. And then has this absolutely devastating line where she's like, we will get her a taxi to get her to the subway so she can go back to her little apartment. Oh. God, I know. Fuck. Do not, oh, do not fuck with Marsha. Jesus no. Christ. Um, but yeah, you're right. And Greg is being awful to Kerry at this point as well. But Ugh. but but Roman steps in. What do you make of the way Roman is with with Kerry? Because it was funny because I was watching it with Rihanna, and we both had different reactions. I saw it as Roman being genuinely caring and yeah. cons- concerned for her. When he asked for her private number, Rihanna was like, is he hitting on her? Like, is he just no! taking this opportunity to hit on her? But I don't know. I, I, I saw I it as him saying, way. like, call me, I can help you kind of thing. Yeah. And also, okay, so this is the thing that I, I've watched this like several times now. Mm. And sometimes I don't hear so well. So I was like, headphones in and being like, I had to turn the volume what right up. Saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Carrie it, desperately wants to go upstairs to get something. Mm-hmm. She won't, They won't let her. They've sort of packed her stuff in a bag. It all falls out. She's really distraught. Roma is the is the only one who shows up and is like hey hey are you okay what is happening why are you doing this like just fucking like let her she is like whatever their relationship was she clearly was extremely close and also was there when logan died Mm. but she is not allowed to be a part of the mourning or the wake ceremony right Mm -hmm. but roman is the only one who is like a we can infer that she has been let go from waystar because he's like i don't have your private number and that you implying that she's not reachable via the Waystar number anymore. And I don't think that he's hitting her on her. I think he's like, oh, you're in distress. I know you were there. This is the thing we both share. Yeah. Like, let me help you. But also she says something to him and I could only make out, can you check? Can you please check Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from the thing? But I didn't hear it. And I want to say that's deliberate because it wasn't even subtitled. So I think I heard, because I I, I was exactly the same as you. I rewound it back and I turned the volume right up. I think I heard Kerry say he was making arrangements about us. Can you check? He said he was going to make a note. So... Is this also Kerry maybe wanting something to be left to her as well? You know, wanting something out of it in amidst all this emotion? I don't know. Or is there something more to it? I don't think it was the uh, getting like money left to her or anything like that. I think it was the more of the formalizing whatever they were. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe that is divorcing Marsha. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's, uh, I don't know, like seeking some sort of formalizing of their relationship. Or, and some... People have been speculating about this ever since season two online. Is Carrie pregnant? Yes. Uh, Or was she on the way to become pregnant? I think that is very possible, right? Like, is Logan going to have, you know, another child? You know, I I would. And, you know, you know, starting this kind of vicious toxic cycle again and i wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. almost if that is the way the show ends in in a mm-hmm. in a way you know um, but i do love this idea as well there's this thing throughout this whole episode of you know everyone there is officially there to pay their respects to this man who died right but everyone is there for other reasons and i think there is a lot of there's a lot of that text and subtext running throughout like there's this kind of recurring motif there's a moment when the sibs are reading the obituaries and it's quite a funny moment reviews they read the quotes and then they read what they actually mean right which was yeah he was a man of his time oh he was racist or you know whatever there's a similar moment later when somebody is giving a speech about uh, what a great conservative Logan was, right? Yeah. And Tom is whispering at the same time, 
what they actually mean by it and what actually he was like actually they found his phone in the toilet that had been blocked yeah. and like all this stuff and, and Connor is sort of saying they're making him out to be a conservative he wasn't a conservative like he was a libertarian was- although Connor like lives on his own planet so <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't take that too seriously exactly but I like that there is this recurring motif throughout this whole episode of everyone the way that they're sort of presenting their sadness about mm-hmm. Logan but also everyone is trying to spin it in their own way to benefit them like un- you know very very obviously from the beginning as well but yeah. yeah but yeah what do you think of should we quickly talk about Marsha while we've mentioned it because you know Marsha is suddenly back as far as we knew from episode one she was off shopping in Milan forever like they mm-hmm. had they had I assume just completely separated and split up right well um, but there was a very long negotiation when Marsha came back into the picture yes. after Rhea Jarrell yes. where she was basically redrafting their contractual their prenup mm-hmm in order to, I think, probably get more money yes. from the arrangement. And Logan even had this joke, a throwaway joke, where he's like, every time, you know, he takes a step or takes a breath, he loses another million or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But Marsha is probably at her cruelest. Like, she is a very sharp woman yes. and has been very dismissive and cruel towards the Sibs but has had a deeply, deeply close relationship with Logan. And they sort of had this arrangement, like she briefly discussed with Rhea, where she doesn't really care who he's having a physical affair with, as long as it's not an emotional yes. or affairs. It's on that she doesn't lose her conciliary type role. Yeah. And she says in this episode that they were still very close, that they spoke every morning, every afternoon, and intimately spoke on the phone every evening. <laughs> Which is a very classy way of saying they were having phone sex every day. Also, even that is funny. It's like, hang on, you spoke every morning, every afternoon, and every evening. It's like, really? <laughs> but yeah, it's just like that like, whole thing who is hilarious. Knew? Who knew Logan had ho- so much speaking with someone in him? <laughs> but, so funny. Yeah. But do we believe it? Also, do we believe it? Or is Marsha just coming back to, you know, to put it cruelly, to kind of make the best out of this situation, right? And get what she's owed. I think owed. both. Yeah. I think both. I think both things can be true. I think I do believe, and from everything we've seen so far, Logan and her were genuinely very close. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that she has absolutely no romantic ideations about it. And she is proud more than anything, which is the primary reason why I think she is so cruel to Carrie. She's like, I'm not going to... Like, Logan is gone. You're cut off. Everyone's cut off. We're not mentioning this. This is unsavory. Or to quote, Greg, who is at his most fucking annoying and slappable this season. No comic relief, Greg. This is just slimy, disgusting Greg. It was like, oh, oh, it's so distasteful. I'm like, excuse me, sir. Do you remember only four years ago how you were like hovering around Logan in the very same apartment, in the very same lift? Yeah, he is unbearable in this, isn't he? Yeah, I hate him in this episode. It's so interesting. I never expected to see Roman be the much bigger person than than Greg by this point in the show, right? But it's so yeah, it's yeah. so interesting the way that that's played. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's I think it was really fun to see Marsha back and at her most kind of ruthless. And I love the moment when she sells the apartment to Connor um, as well for so, sixty three million, <laughs> and when she spits Holy on her shit. hand, shakes it with him like so the good. man is not even on the gr- in the ground. 
so And she's funny. already sold the apartment. Once again, this emphasis on actual money and figures and amounts in this season as well. And we, I feel like I'm building up in my head the amount that Connor is spending week by week. It's like he is rinsing I mean, his money. In two episodes, he spent what? So 100 mil on the 1%, mm-hmm. 63 mil on the apartment. How much on the hoopla wedding, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's at least like another mil, maybe two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how much money does he have? But it's so funny because of course Willa's there <laughs> like measuring up like rooms and saying, is this wall structural? We could knock this through. And Willa's oh, mum's there checking it out. It's so yeah, funny. Yeah, with a heaving plate that everyone's making fun of. <laughs> yeah. And the moment when, you know, oh God, the, the Sibs want to have their little meeting and once again, they kind of try and cut Connor out and Connor just yeah. goes, Mikasa Sukasa and shuts the doors. I was like, well, amazing. Well, to be fair though, Connor lost his listening in privileges after he ratted them out to Logan, like within minutes I know. of them having a conversation. I know. It's and like, true. she was like, Connor... <laughs> the whole Shiv and Connor dynamic is quite fun because mm. they have absolutely zero regard for one another. Like, nothing. Yes. They literally could not... You wouldn't think they're related. Either. No, it's like two people on completely different planets that cannot communicate yeah. with each other, isn't it? It's so funny. Roman tries to sort of bridge the gap between them all, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, but not even he can do that. Should we talk about Shiv? I was about to say that, yeah. <sighs> oh, Shivy. What did you make of that? So it's in that cold opening, right, that we find out Shiv is pregnant. She gets that phone yes. call from the doctor. She's approaching her 20-week scan. So she's mm. she's fully, you know, into term. We're assuming it must be Tom's, right? I'm assuming it must be Tom's. Well, I have many thoughts. On the one hand, kind of disappointed that the one thing they can think of doing with their lead female character is to get her knocked up. I know. I'm like, really? Really, she's not interesting enough by herself that now you have to just throw in a fucking pregnancy in the mix. Like, we do have more stuff to do than just make babies. I agree with that. I agree with that. I I feel like they're really, really pushing it with Shiv and just that she's this... She's this, I don't know. We'll talk about it as we go. But also, yeah. like you said, she's this quivering ball of emotion throughout this whole episode as well. But yeah. And also, just... Uh, timeline-wise on the pregnancy. Because mm. remember in season three, it was a big topic for Tom when he thought he was going to get yes. put away, right? He was hounding her. He was tracking her menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. He was like, we need to do it now because now it's when you're ovulating. Like, And it was very gross. And she was very clearly like, yo, no. Yeah. She was very much on the, let's freeze our, let's freeze the eggs so we can have that option in the future, but like not right now. Mm-hmm. And even at the very end in Chianti Shire, she, you know, they did have, they did have sex, but after that, like, a sort of very terrible encounter where she basically told him she didn't love him yeah. and said that they were looking into freezing as opposed to just, you know, getting pregnant. So how... Does the timeline connect? We haven't seen Shiv with anyone else like since since Italy, but no, and and there and there was a gap, right? I think they've made it clear yeah. that there's there's a considerable gap of a few months between the end of season three and the beginning of season four. However, I remember us speculating on this in episode one when Shiv and Tom had that really sad conversation at the end of episode yes. one, where he's like, "Do you want me to try and make love to you?" And we kind of we speculated like, "Have they been having sex sort of sporadically even since they've split up?" Yeah. So I don't know. It's so ambiguous at the moment, isn't it? It's it- ambiguous, but it is a little bit too out of nowhere to actually feel right. You know, I I mm. I'll admit, like I was very 
annoyed when that came out because I was like, yeah. really? You know, this is not... I agree. I agree with you. It's not the one for Shiv. No. And, and, and then also, like, I don't know, it was unnecessarily harsh to give her that moment when she fell over at the end as well. I was yeah. like... And also, I was like, what's that for? They've deliberately showed us having a fall on the same episode we know she's pregnant. Like, is she going to now, like, lose the baby from that yeah. fall? I mean, I'm not a doctor, I don't think that's enough to lose a baby, no, especially no. like at 20 weeks, but I'm not a doctor, so I'm talking out of my ass here. But no, no, you're, you're probably right. I just think it's an interesting decision to show yeah. us for the first time Shiv having a fool on the same I episode agree. she's been revealed to be pregnant, right? But, and yeah. also, I just, I want to know what you think here because I was very, I was genuinely shocked. I like gasped. Me too. Right? Yeah. And then when I watched it for a second time with my boyfriend, he gasped as well. Yeah. And I was like, it's just very out of place in this series. And because it's so notably out of place, it must have, it must have quite a lot of consideration behind it. Yeah. Because it's either this you know, drilling down on humiliating Shiv or what, or it's related to the baby, like you say, or what is it? Because, you know, it's like, it's just so out of character for her to trip and fall in public in this space in uh, front of all these people. And we know, right, that Shiv is not a good person. We talked about this a lot, but I do think that the show does take particularly glee yeah. in humiliating Shiv more than anyone else, right? We've talked about this a lot and maybe it is just commenting on the misogyny of this world, right? This is such an old cis man world. And even this episode where we suddenly have this conversation, Roman and Kendall decided it's best for those two to team up and leave Shiv out mm. in the cold. And, you know, I'm sure there's thought and reasoning into, you know, why all of these kind of things keep emerging in this show over and over again to Shiv. But it is hard to watch. And I did find myself thinking, is was this all a bit a bit too much for Shiv in this episode, like everything mm. they put her through, you know? I kind of thought that it was a bit much. Yeah. And I definitely want to definitely want to hear what you think about the moment on the stairs. With Tom. So, yes. Mm. So there's... The stairs have a quite an interesting role in this episode because all the kind of quiet, intimate conversations are taking place on the stairs. So there's Roman and Shiv. There's Shiv and Tom. And then there's Shiv and Marsha, which is a much more kind of cold, yes. superficial encounter. Yes. But Shiv and Tom have a real heart-to-heart -heart again. Yeah. What did you think of their chat? <sighs> just sad, isn't it? It's just really sad because um, he mentioned something, because this is something I forgot about, but it's mentioned in season one, I think, isn't it? That when Tom and Shiv first met, Shiv she was, was in a bad place, right? She was really, she was a mess in her words. She says yeah. that, I think, in season one. Yeah, so there's, we don't really know the ins and outs of that, of what Shiv was going through when she first met and got together with Tom. The thing is, I feel like, I feel like Tom is at his absolute sneaky, superficial most you know top form in a way in this episode like mm. because we we basically see tom have three conversations with each of the sibs yeah. he approaches kendall kendall completely dismisses him and says i always liked you tom good luck as if like it's a very gwyneth paltrow thing to say <laughs> it's like i wish you well tom yeah and and then he tries shiv and he goes for the emotional jugulate do you remember when we first met and you were in a bad place and i wrote you those letters and i held you and you said it was like blah 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 
And then he has his moment with Roman and he knows what to say to Roman, which is, Roman, you were the one who got offered the job, don't forget. Like, Tom is is trying to work each of the siblings in their mm-hmm. own particular way, right? Mm-hmm. And you just see Tom working people throughout this episode, essentially. So more than anything, I found that exchange with Shiv just really sad because I feel like Tom was really doing it for selfish purposes. Shiv was kind of feeling that sadness and that maybe missing Tom a little bit, but also too proud to actually admit that or or wanting to go back there with Tom, right? So she kind of dismisses it, but you can see how sad she is during that exchange, mm-hmm. right, as well. And, and the moment when she admits to him that she thinks she killed her dad yeah. as well is an interesting part, right, where she's like, I'm coming to terms with the fact that we killed dad because we're the reason he was on that plane flying to Sweden. It might never have happened had we not fucked over his deal, basically. The other thing that she says that I found disconcerting was when she says, mm. I feel like I'm the only one who's lost something they actually wanted. Mm. And I'm like, what is she talking about? Is she talking about her dad? Is she talking about the job? Is she talking about the Gojo deal? About peers? What is it? Because, you know, all this season, I've been very unclear as to what it is that Shiv wants. She's been very flaky. Like, even from episode one, when she comes in and she's like, hey, I know I've been working on this hundred thing, RIP the hundred, but <laughs> no, why don't why don't we just like uh, buy peers? And then, you know, with Gojo, it's like, well, why don't we, you know, just like ask for more money? You know, she's always yeah. just like throwing grenades into things as they're progressing. So I don't really know what's like what is not just what her end game is but what is it that she wants does she want tom does she not want tom does she want a baby does she not want a baby like what is happening with her i know i agree and i think you could chalk a lot of it down to it's just it's the same as kendall i think really just the issues with her dad right i think that everything she was doing all those silly decisions she was making in those first three episodes were to fuck over her dad but actually she really wanted her dad to love her right and i i wonder Mm. whether that line she said about i'm the only person that's lost something that they actually want it has it got something to do with the fact that she was pregnant and she wanted logan to be around i mean it sounds it's a bit sad and reductive that it's come to this with shiv's storyline but i wonder if it because she even mentions like he, he'll never get the chance to hold his grandkids and rock them to sleep mm. or whatever it was. And Tom was like, as if he would have ever have done that. But yeah. is that what she's thinking about? Is she thinking about the fact that she's lost the chance of her her child knowing their grandfather? Like, is it just that kind of element that she's feeling at the moment? I don't know, which is, again, a bit of a sad thing considering what we know about Shiv up until this point, you know? It also just feels too sentimental for Shiv. Like, she's yeah. not the let's rock our children to sleep kind of person yeah yeah i know i'd love to i'd love it to eventually come to a point where all of this has been a play and that shiv has been playing everyone from the start but i don't think that's going to be the case it does just feel very messy it feels a little bit too messy for shiv Mm -hmm. as a character and what did you think of the actual the the one decision that gets made this episode is who will take over as interim CEO and they decide mm. that it's Roman and Kendall but they have a big conversation the three sibs about how to go about that and unanimously Roman and Kendall say that oh three is too many but two is cool and it means Shiv is out yeah. formally speaking but she's in informally now do you think they have is there is that 
that's just a recipe for disaster, right? She just yeah. walks straight into getting fucked over by the guys, right? It's just what everyone has been telling Shiv from the beginning, isn't it? It happened with Logan sort of saying, look... I'm going to make Jerry CEO, but she's going to be the bullet, the, the, the kind of the, what does he call her? Like the kind of suit of armor that's going to take all the bullets or something. And Shiv mm. is going to be really the one running things on the inside, even though it's not publicly. And they all promise her, you're not, we're not going to announce you as the boss, but you're actually going to be in there making the decisions kind of thing. And yeah, it's just the same thing over and over again. And it's sad. And I, you know, I don't know. We, we, it, uh, why does it have to be Kendall? You know, in some ways, I think it would have made more sense for Roman and Shiv to be the two if there was going to yeah. be two, right? I sort of agree with Roman in that he's got the relationship with Matson. He was the one that was offered the job by Logan right before he died. Like, in some ways, I think it should be Roman. If, if there are going to be two of them that have to do this, I agree that Roman maybe should be one of them. But why Kendall? Like well, it, exactly. It's like the worst possible example of uh, inept, inept man failing upwards. I'm yes. like, I'm sorry. You literally, as Roman says, tried to put dad in jail about 12 times since he <laughs> yeah. wrote that paper. He literally tried to throw the company under the bus with his declaration at the end of season two. That amounted to nothing except a financial fine. Mm. But I'm like, A, how is he still in post as, as co-CEO? And be like, how the fuck? He does not play at all. It looks bad for... It's like, oh yeah, remember that guy who tried to unsuccessfully whistleblow in the company? Yeah. Yeah, uh, okay, let's make him co-CEO now. Let's let's let him do that. And I do think, and I maybe I'm being too kind on these characters, but I do think that when they promise Shiv that they will keep her in on, you know, as a, uh, you know, at the top... I think at the time they mean it, Kendall and Roman. Like, I think when they promise her that, they mean it at this point in time. I don't know. What do you think? Or am I being too kind? I think Roman means it, but I don't think Kendall means it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's interesting, isn't it? Kendall really kind of at his sneakiest in this episode it's really interesting and isn't it funny as well when he has that moment in the bathroom because again it feels like such a deliberate callback to season one you know he's on he's in that bathroom on his own he's looking at that piece of paper is he underlined or is he crossed out you know and it's so interesting he'll never know you'll never know he'll never never know know. it's good i mean i think you know as much as i i really did miss brian cox in this episode i love this (laughs) idea that it is this this now this ghostly presence of we'll never know what logan really wants you know this this question mark hanging over everything that i think is kind of interesting you know what we do know that logan wanted he wanted to live colin a watch oh colin colin's in his jeans oh <laughs> like a dog who lost his owner <laughs> so sweet i also think this is a great episode for all of the other senior staff members yes. right like frank carl and jerry oh my god <laughs> So Can good. we talk about Carl ripping Tom a new asshole? I, I think this might be Carl's best episode to date. <laughs> I agree. That was like, mm, okay, come, 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 come. can I just frame it for you? As a friend, as a friend, you're a piece of shit and everybody hates you and you're never going to get this job. It was so good. Absolutely right, Carl. Absolutely right. Absolutely well. right. But also Matthew McFadden's <laughs> acting in that scene where it's just he's chewing on a canopy <laughs> and his chewing gets slower and slower 
And he like at the end of that just swallows and goes, Jesus, Carl. I know, it's so good. <laughs> Carl suddenly stepping up, right? Carl, I love it. Carl just wants this deal to go through because he's like, he wants to sort, he's got Greek island stuff to sort out, right? He's like, exactly. I want to get my money and get what I need out of this. I love it. And Frank as well, like when Greg comes in, I was like, oh, does this mean that, you know, I might be number two? Yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out of of here. Yeah, I know. I loved it. And I loved the conversation between the three of them about the piece of paper. Will it Mm. will it disappear down the toilet? I said it as as an amusing joke. And Jerry's like, well, it is a funny joke. And it's so funny. (laughs) But actually, they decide not to because they could have, right? They could have flushed that piece of paper down the toilet and never spoken of it to Kendall. And we don't see this decision get made, but they do end up making the decision to tell Ken, which is an interesting thing, isn't it? I wonder if that came from Frank, because I feel like Frank has a sense of loyalty to Kendall, weirdly, doesn't he, out of everyone? He does, but he also went directly to Carl to share this information. He's like, I didn't even want to start thinking until I spoke to you. And I don't think that's out of a sense of loyalty. It's more of like, I don't want to be liable for any actual decisions and their consequences. Mm. And I think that's a shared trait amongst all three of them. Yes. They're very good um, middlemen, but they are not and do not have any intention or desire to be kind of the people at the top. Exactly. What about sneaky, slimy Hugo as well? And Carolina in this episode as well. Like they all get good good moments, don't they? I love Carolina. Carolina is pure efficiency. And like at the end, she's like, I'm like, I'm so fucking done with this family. She's like, oh, so you're running the company now. Congratulations. She has this hilarious monotone voice. But pure, poor Hugo, because remember at the very, very start, when Kendall comes into the apartment building, we see Hugo talking to someone on the phone and saying, you know, it's like, oh, you know what you've just done? You've just like bent me over and fucked me with this Juliet. And Juliet is his daughter who is off screen, who has very conveniently and accidentally sold her big chunk of Waystar Roco shares Mm -hmm. just before the news of Logan's death became public and they plummeted. So mm. Hugo's in a bit of a bind. He is. There's some insider trading going on. And I honestly do not know why, but he tells Kendall <laughs> this information. <laughs> don't know what he was thinking, what was going on through his head. That's a stupid move by Hugo, because now Kendall has him over his knee. Mm-hmm. And Hugo is, for the foreseeable, Kendall's little bitch boy. Yeah, Hugo's going to spin some bad publicity against dead Logan. It's going to be interesting, yeah. isn't it? And they even he even mentioned we could bring up the abuse towards Connor's mum. We could yes. bring up the Kerry situation. So it's going to be really interesting to see, is there suddenly going to be a public shitstorm where all of Logan's skeletons come out, maybe? You know? So this actually could play into our idea that Ken wants the job to sabotage the Gojo deal and take the company for himself because if he smears Logan, smears the company and makes it essentially unbuyable, then maybe he's the one who just remains in post. Gonna be so interesting to see. And and I do think, right, I was kind of sad that we didn't get to see Menken arrive, you know, like uh, Yes, with a smug Menken. little yeah. autocratic face. Yeah. I'm really they're really like teasing. When are we gonna see him again? And when are we gonna see Matson again properly? Do we think that next next episode is gonna be them going to see Matson in Sweden I hope so, yeah. yeah. Because they did have that very tense phone call with uh not Matson, but Oscar. Oscar, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oscar, who, you know, Matson called calls 
Roman and then they're huddling together and then he does another power move and refuses to pick up the phone to them. Mm. So they are because they're at an annual retreat. And I think they're going to get on a plane and fly over there and try to do that because mm. I think that's that's the big next step, right? It's the Gojo deal. And it's either going to go through or fall over. So it has to do one of those things fairly quickly. And Roman and most other people will want to see this deal go through. Yeah. Kendall, I think, will sabotage. And we don't yeah. really know what Shiv wants out of this whole situation. We don't, but we have seen in the promos... Yeah. That there are scenes of Matt and, Sh- and Shiv talking. So I think there might be something something mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so interesting. And maybe we, we've mentioned Tom a little bit already, but should we finish by talking about Tom and Greg in this episode as well? What do we think of Tom and Greg here? Do you know what? I don't even want to talk about them. Uh, I'm fucking awful. done with it. Greg, awful. this episode can absolutely get in the fucking trash. Cannot stand him. His reaction to Carrie was disgusting. It's interesting. Why is he doing this? Is he's because like you see from the beginning, he he absolutely latches himself onto Marsha. Yeah, like he chooses over everyone else. He is going to remain loyal to Marsha. He must think that that is there's something in it for him, right? In aligning himself not with necessarily the Sibs, not with Jerry or whoever, definitely not with Kerry, but he 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 goes straight up to Marsha, doesn't he? And he's like really sycophantic towards her. And then of course, yeah, so cruel to Kerry in that moment as well. It's really interesting. Greg is a sycophant. Like, I don't think it's even that deep. I think he just like a little parasite that he is smells out who is the most powerful person in the room who can give him a bit of that. Yeah. And he aligns themselves, himself with them. Yeah. And it might be in that particular situation with Carrie, it was Marsha. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in, during the speech, it's Tom. There, but even then, he judges everything poorly. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't actually know how to do a joke about Logan's death. While Tom is joking about that, he doesn't know. Uh, it doesn't read the room about the addendum that they found that has his name in pencil with a question mark uh, but, but on it. What, what does that mean too, right? Why was Greg written on that piece of paper of all people? What oh, do we think? Probably he, he'll like get, I don't know, maybe not a watch, maybe something similar. He'll get like yeah. a boat or something like that. You know, yeah. something kind of ostentatious and ridiculous that Logan just wanted to get rid of yes. that has no meaning and no, you know, there's nothing to it, but he'll yeah. get a thing because I guess he's family and he hung, hung around long enough that Logan actually remembered his name. Yes. But <laughs> ultimately, like, he doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but he's managed to, like, you know, warm his way enough into this family milieu that he just gets the benefits and the money. But he doesn't actually have to do anything. He doesn't do anything. Mm, He's mm -hmm. just there. He is. But I think this season is really showing him, outside of all the comic relief, it's just showing him as the kind of personality-less sycophantic parasite that he is yeah just absolutely the worst of yeah almost the worst of the bunch of them all of a sudden yeah. isn't he i think he yeah. gets one great suit and a good haircut <laughs> and all of a sudden he's an absolute piece of shit i yeah. mean he probably always was but now he just you know looks a bit better he's come a long way since he was that guy throwing up in the theme park right this is the <laughs> thing like the corruption of cousin greg i love what it. if he gets a theme park 
in Logan's Will. Give him a theme park. Why not? Yeah, Give that's all he wants, park. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, nice to see Sandy. I always love seeing Sandy and Stewie. Sandy and Sandy oh, and Stewie I love back. seeing Stewie. Yeah. And Elder Sandy, who just cannot stop smiling at so Logan's good. funeral. So good. <laughs> Um, I, I love Sandy, young, like daughter Sandy as well. I feel I always yeah. feel like she has Lisa Kudrow energy about her. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. uh, she's really funny. She's not, she's just she's got really funny timing and facial expressions because she's so yes. deadpan. You know, she is. Um, it's the deadpan element that I love a lot about Hope. Davis. Yeah, she's so good. But Stewie, like he has a sort of genuine friendship moment with Kendall in this episode too, right? Yeah. At least I read it as genuine, you know, when he gives him a hug and and, and he does back Kendall, despite the fact that yeah. Kendall has fucked him over quite a few times, right? Well, because Kendall plays the ultimate card, right? He's like, you're mm. not getting anything out of this, but can you do me a solid because my dad just died? Yeah. And that's what he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I'm so, again, once again, like, so intrigued to see where this goes next. We've still got six episodes left. There's so much on the table still at this point, you know? How many more humiliations can these characters take? It's been a, it's it's an episode as a whole that is a very strange bottle episode of humiliations, right? Yes, yes. Tom by Carl, Shiv mm-hmm. by herself yeah carrie by marcia hugo by ken like yes. everyone is absolutely drilling into other characters yes it's almost summed up by the quote from shiv at the beginning who says for some of us it's a sad day for others it's coronation demolition derby basically and it's like that's kind of what this episode is isn't it, really? exactly yeah. exactly so who do you think before we wrap up is the mvp of this episode maybe marcia <laughs> like, oh damn yes <laughs> Marsha is 63 million dollars up uh, and, the, yeah. and the rest probably right as well yes so. oh my god that's a good one yes I agree I agree that's Marsha <laughs> Marsha MVP definitely the winning the, the winning person in this episode I mean Kendall and Roman I guess you could say kind of win in that they become CEOs but do we believe that that's going to go well probably not you know so. no nope, nope, not nope. in the slightest Who's the saddest? Who's the saddest member of this cast? I'm going to have to say Carrie this episode. Oh, yeah. Poor Carrie. Carrie, genuinely distraught, crying and humiliated by Marsha. Any favourite quotes? Well... (laughs) <laughs> no, it's it's an it's an odd moment because it's more of a, a conversation. But you know when they're when they're reading the reviews, and the papers say Logan was well connected, and Roman says, which is generally assumed to be a euphemism for a pedophile. But you know, Ken is like, well, he wouldn't even hug his grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. It is. I had that quote written down as well. <laughs> so good, and a few of them we've already. I mean, it's that put down of tom by carl is just a monumental moment isn't it yes you're a clumsy interloper no one trusts you the only guy pulling for you is dead and now you're just married to the ex-boss's daughter and she doesn't even like you and you're fairly and squarely fucked yes (laughs) incredible So that's it for this week. We will be back next week, of course, to talk about episode five of season four of Succession. But in the meantime, Anna, let people know where they can find you and more of your work out there online. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Anna B. Demented. I 
did an episode of Criminal Mail last week with Mike's wife, Rihanna. <laughs> so you can listen to us there, over there. You can follow my horror podcast, The Final Girls. You can listen to us talk about horror films at Hello Sydney, which is a Scream dedicated podcast, and the newly released Dead by Dawn, which is our Evil Dead podcast that we're doing together with Chris Hewitt. And I think that is about all. And also you can pre-order my book, Unlikable Female Characters, that women pop culture wants you to hate everywhere where you order books. Love it. And what about you, Mike? Yes, I, uh, well, like you you can't move for me and Anna on podcasts <laughs> right now, can you? you can, so yes, as, as Anna mentioned, you can find us talking about screen movies on Hello Sydney. You can find us talking about Evil Dead movies with Chris Hewitt on Dead by Dawn. And you can find my podcast, The Evolution of Horror, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that's it for this week's episode. Join us again next week for another episode of the Succession Easters. The Succession Easters! Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>